FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Welcome back to another Pulp MX wrap-up show. I'm your host, Darkside, from Vital MX and the Moto X Pod Show, as well as now an off-road specialist. For this week, I've got a couple superstars on the line. First up, he's the marketing director over at Race Tech, and tonight he's brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, my buddy, Checkers. What's going on, man? Not too much, but I bet if I rode a bicycle and ran Michelin bicycle tires, I could take that front wheel to the moon, too. I bet you could. Yeah, you've got the talent. I, I We need to actually see that. Randy, let's get him some tires. Let's make that happen. Also on the phone, for the first time on the wrap-up show, brought to you by Guts Racing, the uh, the two-stroke legend, privateer, Matt Burkeen. What's up, Matty B? How's it going, boys? Happy to be on and uh, happy to, uh, yeah, let's let's make us a show about a show. A show about a show. That is what it is. Well, this week is show number 522 with Chris, Chris Kiefer, Randy Vallade in studio. And calling in was Cooper Webb, Justin Brayton, Josh Woods, Logan Carnow, Alex Ray, and of course, Jason Thomas, as usual. First things first, uh, Matty, uh, Sunday show. How'd you feel about a Sunday show? Did you listen Sunday or watch Sunday or did you wait? I actually didn't start listening until yesterday, and then I finished it up this morning. Um, I didn't realize it was a Sunday show until I opened up YouTube and saw that they were live on Sunday. So, I mean, I thought that was cool. It gave me an extra day to get ready for this. So, um, I mean, we always hear it on Mondays. So, it's it's definitely cool to, to do something else. And I'm pretty sure I heard that um, it was for hockey anyway. So, yeah. I mean, got to do what you got to got to do what you got to do to fit everything in the schedule. Uh, yeah, you're right about that, Checker, uh, Checkers. What do you think? Sunday show, did you pay attention to it Sunday, or did you just wait and watch it or listen as normal? Um, I started to listen to it a little bit on Sunday nights. I don't really, you know, every now and again he'll do a Tuesday show or, or something also. It doesn't really matter to me what day of the week it is. Um, yeah, it doesn't really change anything for me. I just start listening to it um, as soon as I can. And usually, if I'm not doing like the wrap-up show where I have to have it done sooner, a lot of times I listen to it throughout the week and yeah. gradually get through it. Yeah, I think that's kind of common. He did mention there's a Tuesday show coming up, and that's going to affect this wrap-up show. It's going Because I believe, I don't remember what weekend it is, but it's going to be tough for me to get a wrap-up done by Wednesday if he does a show on Tuesday. And I've got a Moto X pod show on Tuesday. So, Steve, it just may not happen that week. I don't know, man. That's on you for changing the schedule. Uh, thoughts, favorite guest of the night, Matt? Huh, that's a good question. Hmm. Honestly, I got a I got a huge kick out of A Ray calling in just because <laughs> of uh the, the poor guy and the predicaments that he always finds himself in. I think that's what I found the most entertaining. 
Okay. How about you, Checkers? Um, I would love to say Logan because he's my buddy, but honestly, I think uh, I think it's hard to not go with the Brayton interview just because it's it was a little bit different than kind of his normal one, right? Like he was pretty fired up about stuff, and um, he definitely um, didn't hold back, which right. was, was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that was most everybody's favorite. I'm going to go with Josh Woods for myself. I enjoyed that. Didn't know a lot about him, so I thought some of the things he had to say, which we will talk about, were very interesting. Um, Maddie, how long have you been listening, man? Since the first time on the wrap up show, how long have you been into Pulpamex, and when do you normally listen? When you're on the road, or what's your routine? Um, so I think I've probably been listening to the show for like eight years or so. Um, I think like right around whenever I first turned pro is when I started listening. Um, and I don't hardly ever listen live, but I always find time during the week. Um, usually on the road is the perfect time because being all the races that I'm doing and all that, um, there's tons of time on the road and it's a perfect way to pass the time. Uh, I think on the, um, Washougal road trip, I think I had a couple of, uh, pulp shows like ready lined up that I hadn't listened to yet. And I think I knocked out like three or four of them just in one drive. So that, right. that's usually nice. how I figure out, um, a time to listen. But my only real complaint is why have you not like reached out before to be on this wrap up show since you've been listening for eight years? Ah, uh, well, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I wasn't shit until, uh, even this year, I'm not quite shit, but I'm starting to become a little bit more. So I, I, I wouldn't have thought anybody would want to talk to me, honestly. So I was just sitting back and listening in the distance and just enjoying <laughs> it. Checkers, we should have had this happen a long time ago, man. Yeah, for sure. I found out at uh, Millville this year that Matt was a pulp fan, and since then, I, it's kind of been on my mind. And then um, he happened to text us the other day, yeah. and I was like, I was like, oh crap, yeah, we need to do this. This will be fun. Worked out good because there's not that many of these things left. Before we get into the main body of the show, the co-host checkers Chris Kiefer, our regular co-host Randy Vallade, not as often in studio. How do you feel? I did. I, I thought it was a really good chemistry, personally. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, Randy was awesome, honestly. I thought, you know, obviously Kiefer's always good and he's himself, but I thought Randy was awesome. I thought he brought um, a lot of insight, knowledge, um, just um, not about the sport in general, and it's nice just calm demeanor and, and speaks well. So I thought he was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, you, same thing? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I always, um, I always enjoy hearing Kiefer on there, just the energy he brings and just kind of some of the out there stuff he says, it always cracks me up. And, uh, also like Chris said, Randy, it was, it was really good chemistry, I thought. And just, uh, especially like with the conversation with Josh Woods, um, like he had already a personal connection. So it was nice, um, you know, just to hear from two people that knew each other like that. Um, and one thing that I heard Randy say that, um, kind of stoked me out, I heard him say that, um, if you make more than you spend racing, that means you made it. And that's my new definition now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good definition. And we're going to get to that topic in a little bit. But first, coming off the second and the final round of World Supercross over in Melbourne or down in Melbourne, Australia, obviously that was the primary topic of the night. From this event came some carnage, some rants, a mafia style hit attempt, all kinds <laughs> of drama. But there was also a world champion crown and things I hope that the promoters learned from this event. Ken Roxon is the title winner. Um, world. Look, how do you consider it a world championship when you never leave America over here? And how do you consider it a world championship when you only have two rounds? Both of those are fair points. I don't give a shit. What they call it doesn't mean anything. Can you really have a world championship with two rounds? No. No. You can't. 
And can you really have it at one race at Glen Helen? No. The best Supercross racer in the world is the one who wins the Monster Energy Supercross Series. That is the best Supercross racer in the world. I don't care that Ken Roxanne has a world title or whatever. Chad called this World Supercross Series a soft launch on a podcast I did with him. I would agree with that. I would love to see more guys be involved, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm all in. You're all in. You love it. I love it. You want to know why? Because I'm a sucker for dirt bikes and racing. I could give a shit. If they said, hey, man, we have three hours of practice. I'm watching it. Did you like that format? Three main events, three short ones. The last last one is longer. I did. I yeah. did actually. Yeah. yeah. Full point. Like full points for each main. Yeah. So yeah. swings are yep. all over the place. I like that. Yeah. 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 I, I wish they were just a tad bit longer for each one. Super Pole, I've always been a fan of. There was a sense of like, hey man, I'm just happy to be here. Like, I'm making a lot of money. I don't know if the fifth on back guys for these two rounds were ready to kill it, right? Because. They're getting some. They're care. getting some money, yeah. yeah. And that's a criticism of the live tour in golf. Matt, yeah, it's kind of. I kind of agree with calling Ken or whoever won this series in the end a world champion is a little bit of a stretch. But for the marketing purposes and the reason they're doing it, I get it. But I, I definitely think Chris has the point. Has the point of the night in this topic that, dude, it's racing. We're getting more racing almost year round now. It's can't be a bad thing and hopefully it will improve next year matt oh, oh i'm sorry i didn't hear you address me but yeah That's i it. agree with you man i mean more more racing for us fans and more money for riders and teams to try to make and i mean i i'm i like completely 100 percent agree with chris like racing's racing and if they're gonna put three hours of practice out there like i'm probably watching <laughs> so i i totally agree and i it's been fun to follow i do think it's like super janky that um they're calling it a world championship i do agree with them there but um like one of you guys said it's got to just be for the marketing purposes and all that yeah and i think yeah obviously originally they were planning on doing a lot more rounds it would have been in a few more countries and and you have to take into account checkers uh, maybe a little bit that yes it was two rounds but technically according to the way they're formatting it it was six main events um i don't know what do you think of the discussion where are you at well, I mean, first of all, like, I remember when the Supermoto Series started, like, they had their championship was a single race. And I thought it was weird, but, I mean, in a lot of sports, I guess, I mean, they had playoffs to come down to it. Um, but there's there's definitely other stuff out there that it is one event. I mean, think of the Olympics. It's it's one event, and it's a championship. So I'm I'm okay with it being a world championship because it is racers from around the world. And, yes, it was only two rounds. Is it the – elite championship well no not not at this point it definitely is not um however i not related to necessarily the pulp show but i know that i'm guessing that's where the smart comment came from was on the broadcast i was texting back and forth with denny and we both got up early to watch the race and watch it live and we we're just texting back and forth and i said um if you had a drinking game of every time ralph said world championship that you would be absolutely blacked out in the hospital dead because it was I mean, he was he was beating that drum really, really hard, and that made it almost cheesy in, in that sense. But if it was just titled a world championship and and whatnot, then then I'm okay with it. Like I'm I'm fine with it being called the world championship, especially next year if they are you know running eight rounds. And I mean, I think you have a point. Like there was six point scoring motos. I think that probably makes it harder for me to to get it though. Is like it's hard for me to think of a six lap race as a full like point scoring moto um, sure. in that sense. So that part is a little weird, but in all in all, um, I totally agree. More racing is, is awesome. I mean, 
I was looking for this weekend. I was like, oh man, there's a weekend off, but I saw there's Canadian arena cross. So I'm definitely, <laughs> I'll tune in. Like I love watching dirt bike racing as a fan Yeah, and I'm not traveling to all the races and stuff. So I don't care if it goes year round. Like I'm all about it. I don't want off weekends. Yeah. And I think for the, the from the fan side, that's exactly it. So the more racing, the better. And I believe that they're going to try to extend this thing next year. And you know, who knows who's to say that eventually if they can make some money, even JT made a comment about that later in the show. I don't see how they're going to make this profitable. Hopefully they do find a way to make it profitable. Hopefully more guys get involved, even if they are, quote unquote, the lower level guys where there's a series. It's still a good series to watch, like an arena cross series or whatever, where we can watch and enjoy the racing. Yeah, I hope that's what happens with it. Uh, I mentioned sort of in my little intro drama from this weekend and the big drama I spoke of earlier was probably the most anticipated interview of the night on Pulpamex Sunday night. Uh, Justin Brayton came on to talk about a mishap. We'll call it a mishap with his teammate, Vince Freeze. Were the two of you salivating, waiting on the Justin Brayton interview throughout the yes. evening? Yes. Okay, Matt. <laughs> yes, checkers. Absolutely. Um, just I wanted to hear it directly and after he calmed down and probably had a little bit even more information and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, partially I was – I was somewhat in disbelief, not only not over him getting smashed in the first turn, like that part was was kind of okay. But uh, I really found it hard to believe the the Harlan part of it as as far as offering him money and, and that sort of thing because there's only like three minutes between main events, right? And right. Yeah. Trying to cool down, and all you heard about was like how short of time it was. So you're trying to cool down, switch gloves, switch goggles, make sure the bike's okay, um, get your heart rate down, and all that. And somehow through there, you're going to go start petitioning guys throughout the field. I found it really, honestly, hard to believe. Yeah, it was like out of a uh, movie. But then from what I gather, and, and Justin didn't go super into detail, but then Chris kind of mentioned it too, that it was actually the mechanic on the line. That is what he saw. Um, so I learned that from Chris on the show. And, and maybe that makes a little more sense. But I also thought it was a really small amount. Like if you're going to ask somebody to put a hit out on someone, basically, I feel like two grand's not really that much. Like if it was ten grand, okay, it makes more sense that he maybe would do it, or at least five. So part of me is like, did the mechanic just make it up? And like the mechanic wanted it to happen, right? So that, you know, because maybe he gets a bonus, right, <laughs> you know, right. or he just was in the moment and really wanted his dude to win. Like, um, and I'm, I, I don't mean to just throw that dude under the bus either. Like, um. Uh, saying it was him like he's up speculating a hundred percent but it just it seems super strange to me but i have no reason to think that justin's not telling the truth i mean i've known him my my whole life he's just a straight shooter and he has no reason to make that type of thing up so no. uh it's it's pretty crazy definitely it was i was very anticipated and um again knowing him for so long i don't I, you don't see him very fired up like this very often i can think of uh, a couple times uh locally growing up where do you get into a smash fest on the track with somebody else um often my brother <laughs> that he would get that fired up but not very often like that was very very rare so yeah it's crazy uh, i, I seem lo- to remember one with anderson and supercross as well like 2016 maybe something like that yeah i'm sure yeah. yeah there's been a ton of them there's a, there's a list of them for sure i love that chris Kiefer noticed it on tv and was like oh i wonder what what, what that's about but uh, you, you were talking about two grand not being very much, but then also Steve was talking about how broke A-Ray is right now and rent's coming due. So you never know, Checkers uh, or Matt, you, you never know what uh, privateer like yourself, Matt, would do for a couple grand. You just got to ask the right guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's listen to a little bit of it. Going to the final one, uh, freezes up by one on JB 
Kenny's like two back of JB. So it was basically winner take all final round, and Freeze went for the kill. Freeze went freeze. Freeze went freeze. Mm-hmm. I was not surprised. I'll be honest. Yeah. But I just thought it there was it wasn't the time or the place, in my opinion. I think we could have got maybe got to the first turn before we tried that. If he had just hung a left, he probably has the lead. I agree. Yes. No. He was coming around the first corner. He looked he actually looked to the right because you could see the helmet move to the right. He goes, Oh shit. Hey, there's JB. Brop. Why not just go right over there? You would think he thought he could get Roxon and JB, right? That's what he's thinking. He missed Roxon. I honestly think he just thought he was getting JB. But I understand in a way, like, hey, because you know his contract probably has a fat-ass bonus 100%, for yes. him winning yes. this world yes. deal. Like, it wasn't that important to me. Like, there was right. no money on the line. There was no money on the line well. for, for us to win. What's funny is, like, you see the pictures and you, you see it all right. Well, mm-hmm. me being in it and, like, hearing and so you just hear his bike get wound up, right? And, bang, I'm off the track. And I, I just kept saying, I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Like, I just, I couldn't believe it. I just, I seriously could not believe it. All the, from all the years, like the thing he doesn't really realize either is how much work I put into the team to get him what he's got. And me and Mike Genova are super close. I love him like a brother. Like me, I mean, me and him are really tight. I've got a ton of respect for Tony and the amount of hours I've spent on the phone with Honda, uh, organizing, show us stuff years ago um a lot of support for the team develop like the stuff that that i guess he doesn't even realize and then to do something like that and then don't even think you know the hours i spent trying to help and um the amount of times he's he's done that to me is probably you know four or five now i mean broke my hand in 2020 by just t-boning me the last lap and at daytona and then COVID hit so you don't really hear about it much but and I just continue to forgive and forgive and forget. No, he's a good guy off the track. What really, really fires me up is lying. Like, if somebody starts to lie, my blood pressure just starts to boil. And if I came off the track and he said, yeah, man, I tried to T-bone you. I tried to, like, it was me and you for the world championship. I tried to T-bone you. Yeah. And Genova gave me a $50,000 bonus and this and that. I'd probably be like, I'd still be pissed, but I'd be like, <laughs> right. all right. Yeah. But the the lies and like the, Oh, my front tire slipped and I went into you or, Oh, Savachi kind of messed me up. Like none, none of it's true. It's just, it's no, not true. You- Checkers. I'm going to go to you first on that. A lot, lot of stuff within that audio, but I like that JB first talk just said, admit it. Hey, it really wasn't that important to me. Like you, you didn't have to get that aggressive with me. And then the, obviously the, the part at the end about the lies, right? Just own it. Kind of like Justin Barr show. Just, he does kind of just own it. Like he'll say what, I don't know what you're talking about, but like, he's like, yeah, man, it's part of the racing. So yeah, I don't know. What do you, th- what do you think? Well, yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpackage there. And um, I did find it really interesting that there was no title bonus at all for Justin. I and mean, it was yeah. cool to share that part. Um, and it was interesting that, you know, it wasn't, super important to him but i can definitely tell you that um i'm sure it was a huge deal for vince because he hasn't won a championship i mean i do remember very distinctly um when we were doing suspension for moto concepts that they used to do the uh, uh it was the trans world slam event at milestone mm-hmm. and 
Vince put himself and Mike on the ground at that race to win, and it was a cover is what you won for winning that race um, <laughs> of the magazine. Uh, so I know that, you know, he'll race hard for anything, but I also, something else that, you know, Justin kind of mentioned it a little bit, and I know that happens quite often is, you know, Genova will go and say on the way to the starting line, hey, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you pull this whole shot or if you get in out of this heat race or whatever, just, just randomly, not stuff in their contracts, just other stuff. And with Vince coming in with a chance at this title, and really JB was kind of out of it coming into the event. Um, at least, you know, you didn't look at him as, as really having a great shot at it. So I could see him saying to Vince, hey, I want to win this championship. We have a good shot at it. You're one point out. I'll give you, you know, whatever, $10,000 to win the title. Maybe there was money on the line for Vince. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and I don't necessarily have a huge issue with having contact for a title. I really don't. I just, I mean, that's kind of racing, but I agree with Randy a hundred percent when he goes at least get through the first turn. Yeah. Because I feel like if Vince tucks through that first turn and he comes out in second or third, well, he's coming into the second turn, which is a hard one eighty, and he's already going to be set up on the left. And it was a right hander. Like you have a way better angle. If he wants to go do it, they'll go do it there. So you don't put both of you on the ground. And, I don't think that I think the running into Savachi slash Kenny was collateral damage from just pinning it across the track into Justin, because Justin also said in his interview that they thought Roxon was pretty much out of it because they didn't realize he was still getting points as many as he did for that DNF. Because remember, there was a lot of guys out of the event, so he still got like I think seven points or something from that second race. Um, so they probably again, it's a short turnaround between. They probably didn't know exactly how many points that that Kenny was down. So I'm guessing Vince didn't think that Kenny was even in it. And so he's thinking, I just clean Justin out and get second behind Kenny or third behind Kenny and Joey, and I win this thing. Yeah, I'm sure that was what was in his mind. Yeah. Uh, Matt, they Steve, I think, asked later about, like, you know, does anything happen for Moto Concepts? Does Genova or Tony Alessi do anything to which Chris, I think, responded no? And what do you think? Do you think anything happens? Because I, I feel like they have to address it. I can't believe they haven't. I can't believe World Supercross hasn't addressed it. Well, I, I guess I should be yeah. able to believe that. Hell, AMA Supercross doesn't address shit half the time. But I, I don't know yeah. how you cannot take care of this within your own team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I agree with with what uh, why Chris said no because there's just been so many um, instances in the past mm-hmm. where nothing's happened, but. Um, like not even just Vince taking out Justin, but the whole, uh, paying Harlan to take him out thing. I feel like, I feel like that's kind of unprecedented in our sport. And even with that team, like, I don't even think I've ever heard of it through that team. And they've had, you know, all sorts of drama throughout the years. So, um, I, I don't know, like the past history tells me, no, they won't do anything, but just how unprecedented and kind of how batshit crazy this is like i really can't see <laughs> nothing happening like mainly mainly just the paying harlan to take him out thing like the whole yeah, that's a big uh, deal vince taking out jb on the start like you know that's just kind of vince doing what he does like that it's not cool or normal but it's not near as out there as you know hey i'll, I'll pay you 2k to to go soft this guy's front wheel for me and that guy just happens to be my teammate too i mean just just wow like that's my main thought is wow <laughs> yeah i totally agree i i feel like I mean, I'm just, I think Moto Concepts has to do something drastic, but I don't believe they will. Uh, what I, about? Go ahead. What's that, Checkers? I was just going to say, well, I mean, the Moto Concepts thing, they might very well look at it as they don't want to, if they if they go into the Harlan thing at all, that's it's making it something other than right now it's just hearsay type of deal. Oh, yeah. It's validating that it's true. But 
more importantly is why is the event organizers in series or the FIM or someone, I mean, and maybe they are, you know, the FIM, they work really, really quickly as we found out with <laughs> AMA Supercross back in the day. Sure. Uh, maybe they are actually investigating it or maybe if this uh, trial run series was such a kind of, now I wouldn't say disaster because honestly I thought it was, was okay. Yeah. But maybe behind the scenes, it was a little bit of a disaster and they just, they don't have the infrastructure to even deal with penalties or, or anything like that. But you would think that as an organization and, and or a sanctioning body, like you have to go after at least a little bit of it and at least look into it and, and do some sort of a, you know, research into yeah. it and see what happened. Like you can't allow it to happen. Like if that's going on, that there's definitely got to be an FIM rule somewhere. That yeah, was yeah. Broken, I would think. I, I definitely, yeah, it's a, it has to be handled in my opinion. And, and maybe at round one next year, maybe we'll hear, Hey, you guys remember nine, 11, whatever, however many months ago that was, nine months ago, whenever they just start the kick thing, kick the new one off in 23. Hey, nine months ago when that thing happened, we're going to penalize you five points, 25 points, one round, whatever they do. Maybe we'll hear about it a long time from now, but it's it's a little unreal. It was very surprising, you, you, pretty interesting. You'll probably hear about it. You'll probably hear about it around the same time as the drug test results. <laughs> right. So around 2027, maybe 2028. Okay. Yeah. They're going to find Vince Freeze $5,000 five years from now. <laughs> hey, Getz Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers of foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place, so check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. All right, Cooper Webb was on to talk about being rejuvenated and ready to get back at racing. You had a summer of fun, summer of off-road. Uh, what was it like? Did you, did you Like, you know, we know you bowed out of the Nationals and needed a break, right? And you, you said on the show when you were sitting across from me that if you had kept going, you were not going to keep racing because it was just a lot. Did it reinvigorate you? Did it re-energize you a little bit? Oh, no, no doubt. Obviously, I much needed some time off and just kind of a really big reset. Obviously, it was a bit of a struggle this year, no doubt. And let the body heal, let the mind heal, and had my first child, which was, was amazing. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of got to ride my, my dirt bike and really remember why I did it. And sure. We went through a lot of you know, night practices and rode some, some woods and some local <laughs> racing and kind of got back to the roots and uh, kind of reinvigorated myself, I do feel. And I talked to Austin, your mechanic, uh, your practice bike mechanic, and he's like, dude, he's loving it. He doesn't care how he does, doesn't care who beats him. You that's, know, like, that's, that's what's like, impressive. That's what you were like yeah. all summer. At what point in time in the series, Supercross series, you, you kind of said, okay, I think I'm going to do this. I'd say when the East Coast actually kicked off, my my deal was up. You know, we were kind of negotiating some things with KTM. At that time, you know, I, I wasn't with Alden, and it was something that, as a group, we were trying to figure it out and make it work for all parties. Maybe we can figure things out with you and Alden and get things back rolling and fix some things there, and let's come back. We'll give you the summer off, and then that gives you a chance to, to kind of start back with Alden maybe later in the summer and really put in a a big boot camp kind of off the bike and then when you get get ready we can do a bunch of testing and riding and you'll in theory it, it'll work out pretty dang well 
Yeah, Matt, having Cooper back, like he definitely sounded rejuvenated. He got to enjoy his summer. Clearly, he enjoyed what he was doing. It, it was a good interview. But I don't, I still don't really believe that he wants to go back to Alden's. Like I didn't feel like he's ready to get back there. No, I mean, I, I don't know if that's exactly what he wanted to do, but I know, um, knowing Coop on a on a personal level, I know that more than anything, he wants to win. So yeah. I think that, um, you know, if he decides that that's what he needs to do to win, then no matter how much he hates it, that's what he's going to do. Um, I know that last year, what what he did, you know, being more of a three to six kind of guy, um, I know that did not sit well with him at all, and. Um, it probably had him about ready to quit if I had to guess just because of how competitive he is and how much he hates to lose. So um, I definitely think that the break he took, um, I'm sure it was good for him because um, I could kind of just tell it seemed like he was kind of over it. And <clears throat> I was I was following along a lot of the stuff he did this summer. And um, I just it seemed like he had a blast. And even just on a smaller scale, you know, I, I've been racing every weekend and I've been getting pretty worn out. And um, just last Sunday I went out with my girlfriend and her dad and just had some fun, like rode her KX 112 and just like played around all day. And even just one day of doing that, um, made me feel a whole lot better. And I'm not even close to the grind that those guys are on. So, um, I can only imagine a summer like that has got him completely rejuvenated. And I have a feeling we'll probably see, um, more of a 2021 or a 2019 web this year. Yeah. Checkers. If he does come back after the break, He's going back to Alden's. He's supposed to be back to being rejuvenated, and it doesn't go well. Man, that, that that's that's not going to be good. That that might be at a point where Cooper, like, what else is he going to do? Yeah, I don't think that he sticks around if he's if he's trying to do the Alden program and it's not winning. I don't think he sticks around anymore because I think he'll be miserable. He's not going to be miserable. I do think it's um, you know different different things work for different guys. And I think a summer of fun and finding the fun again, I think that really works well for like a Jason Anderson. I'm actually a little worried about the, the Cooper Webb part, especially the comments about he didn't really care how he did. And um, it didn't bother him getting beat and stuff like that. Like I don't know him at all personally as like, like Matt does, but it seems to me like he more hates to lose than loves to win. Mm -hmm. And if he's kind of okay with losing, um, that's you know i granted it's off in the off season and such but i don't know if he loses a little bit of that edge like that's what he has that other people didn't have it that's what separates him and makes him special is his hatred to lose and i mean i think that's that's why you go to alden's is is you put yourself through the work because you just can't stand losing and you're not going to do it if you if you can't um if you're not winning so it'll be interesting i i just hope that he didn't get too comfortable and enjoy um having fun a little bit too much and lose a little bit of the edge that makes him so gnarly. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that that'll go away once we get back to Supercross. But uh, I want to step back for a second. We got, we talked about, you guys both kind of said how much you love Chris Kiefer as co-host. He asked, he had, of course had to ask Cooper about his first child and whether or not he watched the birth of the baby. <laughs> Typical Chris Kiefer stuff. I love the questions because they're, you know, they're a little off. They're a little different. They're, they're not just straight moto talk, Matt, but yeah. And you don't, you don't have a kid as far as I know. I'm pretty sure you're, you're, you're uh, childless, but yep. uh, yeah, I'm not, I didn't watch the birth of mine that close. And I, I don't know why Chris is so into it. Even at the end of the show, he's like, 
no one cares about a baby coming out of the vagina. He just he couldn't believe it. But yeah, I I don't care. I don't know, Matt. What'd you what'd you think of the um, uh, the question? I think I'm with you. I I personally am probably not gonna um, watch all that close. Um, and that would honestly be a pretty pretty crazy question if it was coming from anybody else. But <laughs> right. considering it was coming from the author of Kiefer After Dark, I feel like it was only fitting actually was to ask something jacked up during the interview. Yeah, uh, checkers. Your thoughts? You uh, you you've got kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched my kids be born, but I wasn't like super all like into it. Um, it just kind of was what it is, and it's not something I really want to bring up. But the question that led into that one was was the more important one, I think, and that was his fork question. Yeah, I got that right <laughs> uh, here next. But yeah, I go ahead. That one, that one way more interesting. Um, the fact that um, it's very clear that. Um, the guys would like to at least try the 48 millimeter forks, which they sell. Um, Race tech sells them by the way, as a WP pro components, uh, we're a WP authorized center. You can get the 48 millimeters that Cooper Webb can't run. Um, but they don't sell the 52s. At least they try not to, if you have a pro license, you can buy them. Um, and they're ridiculously expensive, but I just don't understand why they wouldn't let them run something that they make and also sell. Uh, it, blows my mind it's absolutely mind-blowing and then chris actually went into also that he wouldn't be surprised to see them on an air fork it's like <laughs> here we go again although i guess the star guys have been on air fork slash hybrid fork or at least a lot of them have been for yeah for a handful of years um it's just interesting the spring versus air thing because i'm obviously in that but the, the diameter and they're struggling with that chassis clearly um or were last year like i mean even malcolm was human in the whoops so right. it's like sure I don't know why you wouldn't give guys what they want when you're racing at that level. It's not like it's not like they're trying to put KYB components on there that they don't make or sell even. Like it's still WP stuff that they sell. I just it's closer to production. I, it, yeah, like I said, it's mind blowing to me. But. Yeah, it's interesting. But you're right. There was a long silence, and then he just said, "Next question." So it's obviously a topic that they're dealing with, but not openly. So yeah, that was good stuff. And and the other thing with. Uh, the other Chris Kiefer question that kind of came up or comment that I liked during this interview was he asked Eve if during the the Supercross preseason shows they were going to shit on Cooper, kind of putting uh, Steve on, on the spot. But then even Cooper, Matt was like, hey, I didn't win last year, so they probably should. Yeah, I mean, Cooper's super realistic with his with himself and his results. So, I mean, I, I kind of predicted that response coming from him, but um, – I definitely, even though we talked about how, you know, it seemed like he was okay with losing um, the summer and all, I I just, I really feel like he made himself turn that off for the summer just so he could turn it all the way back on for Supercross. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm not, but I really think he's going to come out firing. Um, and then if it doesn't work out, like Chris said, I, I don't know what the heck he's going to do because he's, I just know he doesn't want to do this if he's not going to be winning. Um, but it, it really it's crazy to me all these stories I hear about the teams not not wanting the riders to run what they want. Um, I've I've heard a couple of uh, different stories. Um, I won't um, I won't mention any names of the riders, but I've heard one of them was for Rockstar Husky, um, and the other one was the old Geico Honda team. But I've heard from two good friends um, just about how how tough the teams were with um, with setup and and wanting to make the changes that the riders actually wanted. Um, so it, it's just crazy to me because growing up. 
um, you know, all I wanted was a factory ride coming through the amateurs. And I would have thought that once you get there, that you got everything made and, mm-hmm. um, you would think it, you would think it's just a perfect world, but it's crazy that even on some of those factory teams and I mean, Red Bull KTM, that's like, you know, it's basically the pinnacle of the sport. And I mean, their best rider can't run what he wants to run. So it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's got to be some reason. I just, I could never figure out what it is. That's crazy to me. Yeah. It's a lot of red tape. Uh, before Cooper came on, I called in and we, I, we were talking about the GNCC stuff that I did and, you know, quick, quit side came up. That was haha, funny. Great. No, that's actually a really good one, but I, I missed a perfect opportunity leading into the Cooper Webb conversation. Cause Chris asked me if I thought Cooper Webb ever quit anything. And I said, no, probably not. There was a great Twitter comment from a guy named Joel Mitchell that said, I should have said, well, he quit all of outdoors. That would have been perfect, and I blew it. So I regret. Can't quit what you don't start, though. <laughs> well, I know, but it's still. It would have been a good. It would have been a Definitely. good comeback. But uh, be- before we move on, let's talk about me quitting the GNCC. I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. So checkers, you can go first. You can give me shit if you want. No, I'm not going to even give you shit. Other than you are also quitting the wrap up show. So. <laughs> um, Ooh, but Ouch. led into um, talking about your crash a little bit and, and injuring yourself a little bit, and also that Michael had a, a big one, which I just want to know more about these crashes. Like, what exactly happened? How did they happen? Like, can I get a play-by-play yeah. of, of the crashes? And you said Michael had hurt himself a little worse, but he didn't say anything more about that. So I just I want to know more about okay. that, that side of it. And then um, – I'm sure that upcoming we'll find out more about the actual race side of it, but the the crash came up on the, on the show. So I want to get the rest of that. So it was about halfway, three quarters of a lap through the the first lap. And there was a section where you come out, it was super, super dry, but there was a couple areas like this area in particular that had some wet spots and it got really, really rutted. And I came down the hill and I thought, well, it looked, it looked like some of this motocross tracks you see were just long lines of ruts. And I decided I was going to hit it and just, you know, motocross through it and make up some time. And the guy that was right in front of me to my right decided at the last second, he was going to go left to go around him. And I had to sort of switch lines as I was entering the ruts and I was third gear. I don't know, half, half throttle, three quarter throttle moving at a pretty good pace. And I got cross rutted and over the bars I went and yeah, I landed on my head. I just pretty well destroyed one of my formula helmets and landed my collarbone and my wrist and just as I was, you know, tumbling. And, and like I said, I felt, I kind of felt like I didn't think I had broke anything, but it hurt pretty significantly. It took me a while to get going again. And at that point it just started locking up and I did a whole nother lap and my lap times were probably, I don't know. When I pulled off. It was like an hour and 37 minutes in. And I was just in a lot of pain. I, I think I mentioned on the show, I also racked the shit out of myself on a, silty downhill when the front end dropped in a hole and I was just over it. I was like, yeah, okay. I don't think I could do another 45 minute lap in the pain I'm in. And so I just, I bailed and I'm kicking myself now. Like I'm so, I was so mad yesterday and today at myself for quitting. So that sucks. And as far as Michael Lindsay, I believe it was Iron Man Hill. He just was pinning it up the hill and he said he got to the top and caught a root. And I'd heard some of the other guys talk about this route. And there's actually some video. Hell, I think I posted it on my Facebook. You see that he endowed going uphill pretty much wide open. And he knocked, he feels like he 
popped out a couple of ribs. He's he's in a lot of pain and struggling to breathe. So that was uh, that was, was the two big incidents ones on that hill. What's that? There was some big ones on that hill. I saw a couple of videos of some bad ones. I saw one. I think it was one of the Phoenix Honda guys. Got yep, totally. Well, that might have been hill. him because he was riding for Phoenix Honda. Oh, yeah, that was Cody him. Barnes. Okay, well, the Cody Barnes one was yeah, where he got life flighted out. That was yeah. I was talking about that. One. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. It, well. That one, he was on the same team. Uh, Michael was riding for those guys, but yeah, it was very similar. Where he, the back end just kicked up and he endowed, and it, it was it was just a gnarly race. I've never done anything like that, right? I mean, I've been trying to get in shape, and I'm in much better shape than I was three months ago, but I wasn't in that kind of shape. Yeah. Well, one one last thing is, I know that you started on the wave right bus right along with the the women, and I just want to let you know that Jenny's <laughs> sister did finish the race. Oh, well, good so. for her. You know what? A lot of people finished the race, but a lot of people didn't. But hey, I, I did. I quit, man. I quit. I I regret it now. But again, I was the last twenty minutes of the second lap. I was like, "Can I do another forty-five of this?" Because I cannot wait to get off this bike. Um, so are we? Are we okay for world vets? Is it, oh is yeah, the yeah, yeah. Okay? I'm good. Well, okay that's what matters. I rode twenty. I did a about. Well, I my. Uh, Strava time was 27 minutes yesterday, but there was a little bit of riding to the track and back. I think I did about 25 minute moto yesterday, and I feel good. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm ready. I'm racing Saturday at a vet race here, and I'll be ready. For, I'll be ready for Steve. You guys don't worry. My uh, don't show all your cards. No, my, save it all for the big one. Don't show them your cards this weekend. You gotta wait. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I will say yeah, this weekend is really to put a good test on my. PDR performance suspension by Race Tech. That's what this is for to get some some track time. So I am ready for Steve Mathis at World Vets. All right, I talked to him earlier. He was getting ready to go on a bike ride. Yeah, so I did that today too. I did that. <laughs> I did one of those earlier today before this wrap up show. So yeah, we're. I think we're good. I hope everybody in the area just comes out because this thing's going to be fun. I have some plans. I have some surprises. I know Steve has a surprise. I've got some surprises too. So. Glenn Helen. Do you have that on your notes for the wrap-up show to talk about Steve's surprise that he mentioned on the show? Uh, no, not really, because I can't talk about it. I know what it is, but I can't talk oh, about it. Oh, you know. So. Yeah, I know what it is. Well, but Matt I, and I don't know, so we can take guesses. Well, go I ahead. I think that uh, Kiefer landed in some uh, factory suspension for the race. That's my guess. Matt, you got a, you got a guess? I, I didn't know. I don't know the status of 2023 Blue Cruise, but I, that's about the only thing I could think of because I personally have been watching reviews on that thing, and I, I want one myself. So yeah. if I was him, that's what I'd be trying to get. Well, I, I, I don't want to give it away because it's his surprise to tell. So I don't want to shit on his surprise. Um, but his surprise, I don't feel like is going to help him all that much. So. Oh, man. <laughs> That's 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 what I'm gonna say. I don't think it's gonna make that much of a difference, but we'll see. Uh, speaking of suspension, for 22 years, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the first and original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rocks, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle. Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for the performance of your side-by-side -side and your mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection, so enter the code PULT25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Yeah, let's move on from uh, World Vets, because I guess the next Pulp Show is the Monday after World Vets, so 
hopefully I'll be back in time to do a wrap up show on that. And that should be a, that should be a good one. So, cause one of us is going to have a lot of shit talking to do. I can't wait That's for that one. one. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. No doubt. Uh, let's get into Josh Woods from GPF. He came on, on, as I said, I didn't really know a lot about him. I really, really enjoyed the discussion of quote unquote making it, which you sort of touched on a little bit ago, Matt, the, the, the money Josh said, if what, if you made more money than you spent, you've made it. Randy Vlade kind of made the comment that he never made it in racing, but Chris Kiefer's is the, the comment that I liked checkers that we all made it. All the guys that were in studio that night, he's talking about that. That would include the three of us. I feel like because we all made it, we're working in an industry. We're making money. We're, we're involved in dirt bike racing and we love dirt bike racing. I think that's a really good description. I, I'm taking that one to heart checkers. Yeah. I mean, I'll take it. I think they've talked about the Nick way thing a little bit. Yep. It really comes down to making it is really where you set your goal. And for Nick, I think, you know, he coming up was, was such a amazing amateur guy um, that he set it up as, you know, he wants to win championships on a pro level. So for him, maybe he didn't make it. But for a guy like me, like my goal was to make it to a local pro class. So dang straight, I made it. And I'm making it every day, you know, getting to do something that I love. Absolutely. For sure. I did really like Randy's analogy and his if that's the case, I never made it as a racer, but, um, <laughs> with, with that, but I'm making it in life. So, yeah. um, and what about you, Matt? Are you, are you making money these days? Well, that, that comment that he made is what, what at least kind of stoked me out. Cause I feel like at the very least I do bring in more than I spend. So if that is the definition, then, then I guess I'm doing good. But I, I also agree with what you guys were just talking about. What Chris said, like the fact that, we're all doing something that we love and can make even just any living at all um, out of it, I think is sweet. So that um, I know that I personally, am not going to be able to race forever. So that that's kind of my goal is to, you know, kind of end up like you guys and Kiefer. Like if I could just be in the industry for, I mean, shit, my entire life, I'd be pretty cool with that. Um, and then also um, I thought it was really cool. Um, what Josh Woods was talking about that race he's doing with the scholarship. Um, I know he, he spoke a lot about the homeschool at his facility at GPF and, um, the homeschool program that he was talking about the on track, um, learning solutions with Andrea Lieb. I actually, um, I actually did that, that homeschool program as well myself. So, um, it's just cool to hear that, that it's still going strong and it's a really good program. And, um, it's also rad that, I mean, people are able to get scholarship money at a race. I mean, obviously me being a local pro, I'm able to, to make money mostly every weekend I go, but, um, you know, for a kid that, you know, 99.9% of us aren't going to be able to make a living at, at this sport. So to be able to go do something that we love and that we're going to do anyway, which is race a dirt bike and, um, giving the kids opportunity to put some money in their pocket for their future. I mean, you can't really beat that. I think it's rad. Yeah, I agree. That's that's why I really like the Josh Woods interview. But since you brought that up, let's listen to a little bit of it. It's not just come here and ride yeah, and yeah. like we're going to take all your money. Like they do it right. 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 I know? feel like I feel like uh, Woodrow. You said this before. Like there's like a structure and a supervision at GPF that maybe there isn't at other places. Yeah, you know, like my fam- my whole family lives here, right? My parents live here, and I was just out there about two hours ago yelling at for kids for riding pit bikes on the supercross track. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Control, right? So we can, you know, versus other facilities where I think at the end of the day, they go home. Yeah. So it's our fourth year doing the, what we call the cash for class, payback uh, money in the form of scholarship money. The way we can kind of give back and maybe try to encourage these kids to go to school. And that can be used for anything. It can be used for homeschooling. It can mm-hmm. be used for trade school. It can be used for college. 
Of all the yeah. athletes that come through your facility or the facilities you know, how many of them are actually going through school? Hmm. At, at our facility, all of them. All of them. Okay, so you, you guys push actually, that. Yeah, we we like keep track of it too. Like if they're if they're on on track, I have access to their grades. Okay, that's cool. And so like if one gets behind, they let me know. Gotcha. Okay. And we we you know I'll I'll say listen, you're not riding this week till you get caught up. GPFMX.com. Okay, perfect. And on our website, if if you want to donate to the you know we'll take any donation. There's a link on there to to, to donate. Uh, checkers, Matt kind of gave us our thoughts on that, but I, I respect that. And I don't know enough about the other training facilities to know that they're not trying to make sure the kids are doing schoolwork and all that. But I think that's a big deal, right? Again, we talked about you have kids. I, I ha- you know, my son's grown now, but education is very, very important, especially in, in this industry, I think, because as Matt said, most of those kids are probably not going to make it where they're making a living off racing dirt bikes. So, an education is something you need to fall back on. It's, I, I love the fact that he's, hey, you don't get to ride if, if you're behind. For sure. I know that they're they're one of the more involved ones. Um, Tasha, who works right along with Andrea Lieb for On Track, actually her son is based there, and she works from there. And I know they actually have literally a classroom at GPF, which is massive. I mean, more importantly, just for me having kids, is I work with these moto kids, and mm-hmm. some of them are so uneducated that – it's hard for me to have a conversation with them to set up their motorcycle. And it's not just hurting them in, in life. It's literally hurting them at what they're trying to do and what they're training for. If you can't have a conversation with someone about how to set your motorcycle up. So um, I think school's super, super important. I like how they've, they've found a way. I mean, I hope that the people are, are using that as scholarship money and not just cashing it out. I mean, I'm sure some yeah. people are cashing it out, but I, I thought think, that too, you know, a lot of parents are hopefully, or using it for the right thing. And here's the thing. If, if your kid makes it and quote makes it and doesn't have to go to school and doesn't need a scholarship fund, well then maybe he has a down payment on a house by the time they, they graduate. I mean, I'm all about it as far as giving something back other than, you know, a plastic trophy for, for a racer. So it's cool. I know that they've started to do a few more of those um, throughout, but I know that that concept was birthed down at GPF and um, I would like to go there sometime and check the place out. It looks really, really cool. And, I definitely like what they do. And I, every time that Josh has been on the show and whatnot, he does a really, really good job of speaking to where I think that, I think that he's, he's probably an awesome trainer as well. Um, I know he was a great racer. I actually got to watch him a little bit like coming up on like super minis and stuff. And dude, he was so fast. It was, it was nuts, but I mean, he's obviously evolved into a great career at this point. Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, what do you think about Chris, considering and heather considering sitting eight and two a training facility uh knowing them a little bit i i uh i'm not sure that i believe heather's she says she's on board but once he's gone i don't know um i don't know i have so many mixed feelings i'm not the biggest fan of training facilities i'm a, I'm a bigger believer in gate drops and racing but at the same point he's in california where there's there's not that much good racing going on yeah um, and, and so that's difficult, but I mean, honestly, grassroots racing all around is in different areas is not that good. And then there's some that are really good. And a lot of it's because of training facilities and, and whatnot. But, um, I, I think it'd be good for him to go for a short period of time. And I think that they both would get on board with it for a short period of time. I mean, I could see something like after Loretta's regionals all the way up to Loretta's or something like that, 
go doing it or, you know, do it in a month or two in the fall, like, and then maybe do Minios or something. So you're already on the East coast mm-hmm. to ride some different dirt and some different tracks and just learn from somebody different. Um, that, that's the key right there. That's shipping, uh, shipping a 16 year old kid across the country and letting someone else take care of them. I mean, I don't care how good your kid is. I, I don't really like that. And I don't see Kiefer moving his business to the East coast anytime soon, just simply because there's so much based in California and he has so, so much stuff he has to do out there. So yeah, um, I could see maybe Heather going with him, but I think then Chris would go absolutely insane without, <laughs> without Heather. Yeah, nobody would it'd be hard to get his flights booked and his meals made. But uh, <laughs> Matt, the key point, the key point that checkers made really was that having somebody else to kind of work with your kid a little bit, or, you know, a kid normally doesn't really want to listen to their dad, their parents, all that much. Now, Aiden's pretty good about listening to his dad when it comes to the writing stuff. But if you get somebody else to spend, you know, like like Checker said, just for a short period of time, working with him, giving him some pointers, showing him some things he's doing wrong, there's in all likelihood he's going to absorb it a little better than when his dad says it. It goes in one ear and out the other. Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've actually, uh, I was just thinking I've got a little bit of a hybrid plan with, uh, training and racing that I think, uh, my boy checkers would like, because I agree with them. I, I don't think that, um, you know, just going and spinning laps at a training facility and doing any gate drops, I don't really see that being as helpful. So what I was thinking would be cool. You can tell, go ahead and tell key for this. Um, <laughs> he could send Aiden to south of the border which is down in south carolina that's where i go if i ever go do any training i head down there and then um the local series where i race we have a b all-star and um aiden's a b rider right yes yeah so he could you link him up with me he could do some training during the week and on the on the weekends he could go do racing and go do a and b all-star which would be good for him because he can make a little bit of money back and he'd be racing against a riders like myself, which you'd be getting the training and the gate drops. So go ahead and, and, uh, sign that plan into motion. I'll see him when he gets here. All right. All right. Uh, a couple of X brand tear off questions that I just kind of want to throw at you guys. Uh, for, I'm going to go to you first, Matt monster cup or red bull straight rhythm. Um, Man, being a two-stroke guy, I got to go Red Bull straight rhythm. If it wasn't on two strokes, I would probably say Monster Cup, but I just love the two-stroke aspect. I thought it was sick. Checkers? Uh, I'm Red Bull straight rhythm. I, mm. I'm i a little worried about the SMX stuff just because I hate their hybrid tracks. I think they make for crappy racing, and they're just dumbed-down Supercross tracks. Yeah, I said Monster uh, Cup, though. Monster Cup. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay. and that's what I'm. That's why I'm skeptical of the SMX thing. Oh, oh I got you. Uh, I'm worried about these hybrid tracks. and So Monster Cup, Although I absolutely went every time, and I love going to Vegas, and I love racing, two-stroke or four-stroke, I'll take straight rhythm. I wish that they had a four-stroke class so that we could get more of the guys there. I don't think we'll ever get all of the guys there, but at least get more of them because I, you know, I love Devin, but uh, Devin Raper versus Ken Roxon is not much fun to watch. <laughs> right. But those Justin Hill handy ones, like those, were so much fun to watch. Good. And I'm all I'm all about that. So. Um, but I like straight rhythm. I wouldn't want it every single weekend, but sure. as a, a one-off, I'm, I love close racing. I like, it's just quick action packed. I like jumps. I like super cross. So, okay. Um, I'm all in hey, on that. This is the part. This is the part where Mark just pulls the tear off thing over and over and over again. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It was more than 30 seconds, right? Uh, checkers. Who's the 23, 450 super cross champ. Mm, Me first. Sexton. Yeah. 
Texan, uh, go ahead, Matt. Uh, uh, my my heart says Webb, but my brain says Tomac. Okay, okay. I'm gonna go Dylan again. Fuck it. I'm going all in. I said it last year. I'm I'm trying again. <sighs> no comments. No comments. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're bound to be right eventually. Yeah. Well, not necessarily, but we're we're. I don't know. Honestly, I'll probably say Eli, but. I'm gonna go, my heart's going to go with Dylan. You know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from Pulp Mix. Pulp, uh, Michelin bicycle tires are a sponsor of this wrap-up show. And in 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, Visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle tires, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new BMX Pilot 20-inch, or any of the road models. And, of course, I will be on the new Starcross 6s when I completely dominate Steve Mathis at Glen Helen in a week and a half or two weeks or whatever. Two weeks. Michelin, go check them out. All right, we hear constantly how difficult it is to get non-endemic sponsors in the sport. Well, Logan Carnell came on to announce his new title sponsor, and all it took was a late-night email. Oh, yeah, we saw the deal today. OnlyFans is your title sponsor. <laughs> Very excited. Very exciting. So my question, though, now we all know OnlyFans. You know, we know what goes on in that thing, but it's not all uh, sex stuff. It's it's feet nope. and whatever you want. So do you – is right. this – is this your title all year, or will you have the individual OnlyFans girls here and there? No, no. OnlyFans will be my gig the whole year. Okay. Um, so I actually reached out to OnlyFans Direct. Um, I mean, realistically, I wasn't really expecting much of it. Um, the marketing guy ended up reaching out to me, hmm. and we ended up setting up like a Zoom call. It went very well. And, and yeah, dude, I mean, a couple weeks later, I had a contract in front of me, and yeah, Dude, that's, that's a gig awesome. For, that's a gig for for twenty twenty three. It's it's so exciting. Like I mean, with everything that kind of all the shitty shitty things that happened last year, it's uh, yeah. really cool to have something like you know super positive and, like this. And happens. they obviously knew what you did last year at all, or did you have to sort of inform them? Here's what mm-hmm. I was doing. And well, when I initially reached out, they they didn't until okay. uh, the marketing guy ended up um, checking out my Instagram and kind of going back and seeing everything. Okay, and the whole month kind of checked everything out and. Yeah, it was uh, it was sweet, man. I was totally unexpected. Here's no. what's awesome about this: these some of these <laughs> some of these privateers, bitch. I don't have this. I'm not racing. F this. No yeah. one wants to. This is a perfect example of you other privateers listening to this. It happens. You just got to bust your ass, reach out, right. try it. Worst they can say is no. Yeah, I'm trying to find ways to make money racing my dirt bike, and yeah, it's awesome. I feel like I'm having a bit of luck doing that. So it's, that's it's the goal, cool. man. That's yeah, the you. goal. And yeah, you're, right. you, good for you. And you're a full time 450, right? We're, we're yeah, full yeah. 450 this year, right? Did you ever ride a different bike to see if you like something better? Or has it just always been a Cowie dude? Uh, the contingency, man. I just—it's just a contingency. Like I just—I mean, I mean, it helps so much. Like when you make the main events, I mean, it's eight hundred bucks in your pocket. Girls are selling just like they're stupid. Or farts in a jar. Like a girl farts in a jar, sends a jar, and five. Like she became a millionaire for farts in a jar. What? What happens when you pop that seal? It's a one and done deal, right? It's like it's like it's like fine wine. You save it for a special occasion. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Farts in a jar, guys. I, I need to. I guess I have to look into that. Um, but Matt, what do you think about this program, man? I mean, Logan's a good kid. I'm really happy happy for him with the way everything fell apart last year with the Moto Zone guy. And yeah, I mean, it's 
it's a good it's a good deal for him. It's it's cool that he reached outside the the sport and kept trying different things, and something finally stuck. Yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of inspiring to a guy like me. And um, I I heard I don't remember if it was Chris. I think it was Chris. He said, uh, you know, worst you can or uh, all you got to do is ask. Worst they can say is no. And um, that's that's kind of was my motto for this year, trying to get sponsors as well. Um, I mean, he's right. The worst they could say is no, and if they do, you just move on and yep. um, go, go to the next thing. But it, it's definitely um, a super cool story with how everything turned out for him with the sponsor backing out, kind of leading into everything because um, like not quite as direct and not as not on near as big of a scale, but that's kind of what happened with me before the outdoors um, in 2022 this year. I had a couple people back out on me right before, and then that kind of led to more support than I would have had with them. So um, it's it's just it's hard, obviously, putting your own program together, but it's just cool to hear that he was able to um, turn a negative into a positive and and in a big way as well. Absolutely. Checkers, like I said, super happy for him. I do have the question. He said that he was laying in bed around 1130 at night and he was on OnlyFans. He decided to email him. I was like, Logan, what were you doing on OnlyFans at 1130? Were you lonely? I mean, what's up? But anyway, Checkers, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it all comes back to just Logan being a really good dude because I don't think that this works for just anyone. Um, I think part of the reason that it worked is he has such a good history and track record with people that when the program fell apart, I think people right away knew that it, it wasn't him and it was, was the other guy. And so people wanted to jump on board to support in general. And so as the sponsorship started to come in, people wanted to support those people that were supporting him. And so it made an impact. So as soon as they go do their research and see that not only did he bring these people in as sponsors, but they got good results out of it. I mean, I still remember the, the Hannah Ray thing saying how they, she did like four times as much business or whatever that weekend mm-hmm. um, from it. It's like, well, they're looking at that as positive. And I mean, I just, I'm very, very happy for him. And it sounds like, you know, he was talking about they're trying to push the non, uh, the non adult version of the, of only fans a little bit through him and with him. And so that'll be interesting to see what comes of that, because I almost feel like it could get them pushing Supercross a bit um, via Logan to try to get that side of things out there a little bit more. Which yeah, I think that, could be very, very beneficial for everyone as well. Yeah, that's part of the idea. I did an interview with him on Vital that went up Sunday about this topic, and yeah, he said that that's very much what they want done is pushing the more straight laced whatever uh, side of it. And you know, there's athletes, musicians, etc. And like Logan mentioned, he cre- he created one. He'll be putting some content up there that won't be anywhere else. So yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's something they're trying to push. And I actually reached out to them and. I emailed them as well and said, hey, I appreciate you, you know, supporting Logan. He's a good kid, and it means a lot to us in the sport. And they responded back with, you know, how much, how excited they are to work with him and learn a little bit more about the sport. So, yeah, it's really cool. Before he came on, right before he came on, Steve was doing a read, and something pretty funny happened. Thanks to the folks at OGO. Kiefer went to... Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, what? I saw a video of you that RV showed me of you in the woods. <laughs> it was the best video I've seen in a long time. Oh, what? what, what oh, my God. I don't know about this video. I oh, think. boy. Did I crash? RV said he made a little, like, a little off-the-skirt little trail to do over this log. <laughs> and you would just do it over the log. And you barely made it over the log with your front tire, and it was like freaking a foot and a half off the ground. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I saw it. Okay. Was it 
Okay, was it like an enduro cross? No, board? you weren't. Okay. He told me about your pivot yeah, move. Yeah. That wasn't good, he okay. said. The but, pivot, pivot move was fine. Okay, okay, and he said you had this little trail, and it was like an off-camber. You went from a Jeep road up this little thing and then came back down, and it was real jerky. You were jerking hard, dude. <laughs> I don't. Okay, well, I don't know. Anyways. That was a great time. So I looked like a... Like hey, a, man, you beaten off? <laughs> I, I didn't look very good on it. Is that what you're saying? I mean, it, it looked rough. Okay. Like it, you were very tight. Eh, off road's not my game. You're tight. And you that was pipey? You didn't well, know when... Yeah, you jerking t- it? Yeah, yeah. Before we even get into this, I want to play the beginning of that again just to listen to Chris's laugh. Thanks to the folks at OGO. Kiefer went... Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, what? I saw a video of you. Oh, my God. Checkers... That fucking killed me. I love it. It's my maybe my favorite moment of the show as I listened back to it throughout the last couple of days. Uh, but toward the end, I felt like Steve got a little, a little irritated. Like, oh, I think it was fine. Oh, well, whatever. But yeah, I don't think he liked it. No, I mean, he doesn't really love criticism all that much. He loves giving uh, he it. Dish it out, but, yeah. but he, he loves giving it, but doesn't dish it out all that much. But I was just picturing it. You know, like in my head as, as they're going through. First of all, yes, the laugh was amazing because it was like a deeper one. Usually he has his high pitch. Yeah. One. That's what I normally hear. But I think he was trying to hold back so he got this weird deeper one. But I'm like picturing the, the jerking back and forth. And then I realized, and both of you guys actually have experience with this. And I feel like I'd be that way if I went to a two-stroke right now. Because I haven't ridden one in so long that the power delivery is so much different. I feel like just riding normally, I would be like that, let alone riding off-road if I wasn't comfortable on one that I probably would be like real jerky and tight and whatnot. So I know you guys both have been going back and forth a little bit. I don't know if you're used to it and like you just adapt pretty quickly or if it's something that takes a while, but that's what I was picturing you like feather in the clutch and not used to the smooth power. Oh yeah. Of like not, or not having the smooth power of a four stroke and having that jerky power. Yeah. It's definitely a big change when you're used to riding a four stroke. And I will say Saturday at the GNCC before the race day, we got to break in the new bikes and there was like a little log hump that the, the other guys there had rode off-road before. And yeah, Mike was like, yeah, go wheelie over that tree that's down. And I looked at him and I was like, uh, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, but he wanted to take some pictures. And he's like, oh, it's not that big big of a deal. It's easy. But, yeah, I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. And I was, like, hitting it like a whoop or something. And I was trying to pin the throttle. And, man, the back end would kick up. So I'm sure I looked awful on it, too. Doing, that, doing a tree hop or whatever, I probably looked just as bad but it doesn't matter matt the conversation was on air it was so funny with chris just busting on him i i loved it yeah that was epic um like like uh checker said i was just trying to picture it in my head as well um and i was it around this time whenever uh chris whenever Kiefer said something about rv looking like a skinned cat or something uh, it might have been I, I forgot about that but it might i think that might have been towards the end when they're do, having more com, uh, rv conversation but it doesn't yeah, matter I think they were talking about the manscape or something yeah, about yeah. the lawnmower and he said something about him looking like a skinned cat that was my main <laughs> takeaway okay all right uh those who ride dirt bikes motorcycles atvs and utvs know motorsport is the best place for oem and aftermarket parts riding gear and accessories Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you're racing the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. And don't forget to use the Motorsport widget on PulpMX.com, PulpMXShow.com. Sends you over. You can use all the discount, or you can use a lot of the discount. No, take that back. You cannot use the discount codes at Motorsport.com, but what you can do is 
is support the sponsors because most of the sponsors of this wrap-up show and Pulp Mex are available at motorsport.com. All right, next topic. We're almost done with this thing. The Race Tech Rant Checkers, Pulp 22 to save. There's some other good pulp. There's some other good codes out there, but we'll stick with Pulp 22 for this case. Let's just listen to it and we'll get into it. I'm saying this out of love. Okay, here we go. I'm saying this from a place of love. Yes. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. But what the fuck are you doing, Alex Ray? Like, what <laughs> are you doing? He's coming off a horrible year. Right. Two wrist surgeries. He just got back on the bike. He has barely started riding again. And I want nothing but the best for our friend Alex Ray. He's a great guy. He gets a lifeline. He's broke as fuck, too, by the way. His team screwed him out a bunch of money last year. Hasn't ridden a Suzuki for, I don't know, years. He just got back on the bike. His wrist is surgically repaired as of three weeks ago. Alex, you had one fucking job. Do the laps and get the money and go home. No one was expecting you to be on a podium. No one was expecting you to do anything right. at all. Yeah. Our fucking guy can't go 10 feet out of the gate before getting stretchered off. What's he stretchered off? He was stretchered off. And he takes out his teammate, Freddie Norn. And you're on the outside. Uh, no, I was going to say, that, I feel like that was more of like a bar lock, right? Or well, two of those. Yeah, okay. Like, but Yeah, we all got breaks. We know that. But dude, yeah. stop it. <laughs> like, stop what, though? <laughs> Fucking don't crash. Can't do it. Not possible. <laughs> he gets stretchered off. I get all these DMs from the Australian Pulp fans that are like, look what happened. Here's Alex Ray. Like, we got the full A-Ray experience. Definitely wasn't uh, my plan. You know, well, like, uh, I, I know that, that was my, you know, like, Hey, I, I didn't line up like, Oh yeah, dude, I'm about to eat shit right here off the gate. Like, that wasn't <laughs> of course not. And, and, and I'm not, in, I'm not saying that, but man, you just stay safe, get the money, do the laps. Why wouldn't you like say, I'm going to roll off a little bit, not as quick and then just get back to the inside. Uh, no, nah. <laughs> 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 no, nah, man. Like I, I just wanted to get some gate drops, and you know, yeah, you got none. You got one. No, that was that was the plan. Like I, the whole plan I had coming in, I was like, hey, I just want to do the laps. Like you said, I wanted to use it as sort of as training, right? Because I, I have been off the bike a lot. So when the gate dropped, Tixie on on my right, he got a really good jump off the gate, and dude, he just went left, right? And I was like, oh shit. Uh, yeah, checkers, that thing ended a little abruptly there, but such a funny race tech rant. And I, I feel like this one doesn't, it doesn't feel like this one was so much a race fault, right? But, and, and, you know, no racer's going to just kind of hold back. They're just not going to do it. Well, I mean, I actually was, I mean, I definitely was thinking the same thing that they were, they were ranting about a hundred percent as soon as I seen them hit the ground. Um, I'm a, I'm an Alex Ray fan and I literally was texting with him uh, a couple weeks ago and he's like, I want to go ride, but I got to wait till my doctor. And he's like, I was literally going to go ride. And then at the last minute, everybody was telling me not to do it. And so he held back to let his wrist heal finally, because right. that's basically what killed him all of last year was he kept trying to come back early because he wanted to be out there, wanted to make money, you know, all of that and never let it fully heal. So then he has to get it operated on again. And that's what got Steve fired up because he wants the best for him. You know, he really does, and he does come for it with love. But the fact of the matter is, is, is racers brace, you know, as, as Matt would say. But, like, 
if it was coming into the first turn and he just held it on long trying to get a whole shot, you know, something along those lines, then I'd be totally upset about it. But to expect him to literally let everyone go off the start and just cut across to the inside, I don't think that. I don't think even the team would be happy with that. Like you have to put some effort in. Yeah, you know, it's not, not realistic. Him to go put in one hundred and twenty percent, and you know, risk it all on the last lap to try to make up a second to pass somebody for a position, but put an effort into put a decent race together. You know, and and also if you start at the back of the pack, well, then you're with the less experienced guys and. Things get sketchy back there, so you know. Even without Alex Ray, they get sketchy. right. So, right. I mean, I felt bad for him a little bit as far as I mean, they're coming from it with love, and I think they probably understand that at least a little. But it is, it's just like, man, get rid of that black cloud that's over your head, please. Like, I know that he really just wants to have a year of of solid, good racing, you know, and and end it on his own terms. And I, I surely hope that he's able to do that. Glad he's not hurt worse. Yeah, definitely. Matt, what are your thoughts on the race tech rant? It was, it was a funny one. I, I enjoy it when they're funny. It definitely cracked me up, but right. I, I felt bad so for Ray Ray. I feel like I feel like the poor guy was just a victim of circumstance on that one. Um, because you know, he didn't he didn't do any typical A Ray, like sketchy anything. Like like it was just literally, you know, ten, twenty feet out of the gate. So I feel like that that's something you can kind of just chalk up to shit happens. But yeah. I do think that it's uh it was cool for the Australian fans to get the full A Ray experience, <laughs> Me um, too. especially with the backboard coming out and all. I know I heard him say that uh, he was okay, so yeah. that, that almost makes it even funnier right. that that whole, whole ordeal happened. But um, uh, it's just poor A Ray. It's, it's hard to whenever you got that black cloud over your head. It's it's sometimes it seems like there ain't really anything you can do to shake it. That that's kind of like the year I had last year, and then um, this year it's I haven't really done a whole lot different. It's just you know, times have kind of changed. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things start looking up for the guy because, uh, it's, it's been rough. I don't really know him personally at all, but I do not envy the last year he's had. That's sure. For sure. Let me tell you how his Australian trip started. So this is not pulp related so much, but, uh, Monday or Tuesday, I think Monday I texted him about trying to do a podcast, you know, do a little interview for vital. And he's, well, I, I'm going to be out of country or whatever he's going he told me he was going to world supercross oh okay no problem well tuesday i'm in the studio prepping for the moto x pod show about an hour before start time and a ray calls me and he's like man i guess i can do that podcast i said well what happened i fucked up some paperwork on my work visa it got denied i was like well shit all right well i'm about to do a show you know let's let's try to do something tomorrow he's like all right all right like less than two minutes later he calls me back what's up a ray well, they accepted my they accepted my work visa. I'm going to to Australia. <laughs> like literally, like in three minutes, it went from I'm not getting a race to I am getting a race. I'm going home. I'm now I'm going to Australia. I was like, oh my god, how do you live like this? Fucking a ray, awesome. That sounds like the Unadilla Pro National this year with all the transponder issues. You know, uh, yeah. one second you're racing, the next second you're 58th, the right, next second right. you're not even signed up. Who knows? Right. Uh, just a couple more quick little things I want to touch on before we c- close this thing out. In the World Supercross discussion, when Jason Thomas was on, he he made it. They were Steve kept bringing up all the carnage, all the injuries through these series, and he'd made a really good point, checkers, about like all the filling riders they've had to get in two rounds, and how the hell are they going to fill those spots next year if there's World Supercross going on during outdoors or during Supercross or whatever. That's a really good point. Like, we're, you're not going to be able to grab so many of these riders because most of them are going to be tied up. I like the idea of a floater for each team. 
I mean, they definitely will have to evolve the series to take into account that it's not car racing. Like we have injuries, you know, it's not like you can just rebuild the car. Right. Um, like it's, it's, it is different. And whether that is the, you know, the, they loosen the rules to the team has to field three guys every time, but that starts to suck when the gate's not full or, you know, I mean, there are a lot of guys out there that can ride supercross, but the level starts to get down. And also it's going to be difficult of, you know, it's not like Matt can just go jump on somebody else's bike and feel comfortable to go ride supercross on it. Like, why not, A-Ray you know, Well, <laughs> look how he went. But yeah, a lot of guys aren't going to do that <laughs> and at that level. But I think that's a lot of the reason for the injuries, too, is you guys didn't have a lot of time on their equipment, but then they go racing. And so they're not 100% comfortable on it either. Um, and then thrown into Supercross. And not just, you know, a lot of guys, they start riding Supercross, you know, a couple weeks slow at the practice track or whatever. But they're thrown right into race situation, and it's carnage and then. Um, if you want me to keep going on the, the injury thing, I'm I'm happy to say that a lot of it, I think, is just people factor in, oh, it's more starts, but it's more early laps when guys are grouped up, too, where lines are crossing and stuff. And um, and then along along with it is the machines are not tested as well. I mean, a lot of them were mechanical-related. The Drake one, the Grant one, and the Reed one were all mm-hmm. mechanical-related. True. Very true. Good point. Uh, yeah, so, okay. Two more things. Chris Kiefer, goat farm discussion. Obviously, he's not gonna. He wouldn't talk about the twenty three Yamaha four fifty on Sunday night. Steve was giving a lot of shit about that. Matt, his story of OJ and the double. He said he dug Henry it. That was good stuff. Like he's like, I'm okay. Heather's gonna get a phone call. I know that feeling very well. That's how I felt in the Bradshaw crash. Like, uh, oh shit, what did I just do? And I could picture myself. I've OJ stuff. I'm sure we all have. Every one of us, right? I could just. I I know that feeling when he was describing it, and it's. Super, super scary. The fact that he rode away from it twice, fantastic, but great story. Yeah, I mean, I, it that kind of took me back to um, back whenever I was trying to ride Supercross. Um, the way he described that was basically the way I hit every Supercross triple I ever hit for the first time, um, <laughs> just because I was so scared of casing him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's really wild that he, you know, he barely got away with the first time and then just went ahead and did it again. I, I, <laughs> that new 23 blue crew must have some serious power for him to be doing that. Um, but I, it just sucks. It's kind of like, you know, the scene in Talladega nights where, you know, Ricky's just like, you know, Oh, I'm flying through the air. This is not good. You know, I feel like that's literally you have yeah. time to think that in the air in situations like that. He told the story a little different on his own pod on the Kiefer Inc. pod. He, he said the first time he went over it and I forget who he had, he asked somebody to, to tow him over and he was going to follow the speed and right when there, he, so he's, following the guy in front of him right when they get to the jump the guy in front of him scrubbed it and did it so which means Kiefer's like yeah, I didn't scrub it I just jumped it and of course now I have too much speed that's why he OJ'd it the first time and then he went back out there and tried to do it again and OJ'd it on his own so yeah and then he, he had somebody else tow him over the third time and he did it nice and clean. So he, he told the guy, don't fucking scrub. Don't be an idiot. Just jump it normal <laughs> and let me get my speed. So if you guys haven't heard his uh, the Kiefer Inc. pod on the goat farm, there's a lot more stuff in there. So that's good good stories. Hanging out with more stories with hanging out with RV and the drinking and all the stuff he already talked about. Last topic, Steve mentioned the 1990 YZ125 that he bought from me. He said at the end that I claimed it's not that bad. Steve Mathis, that is not true. I told you this thing is a mess and it's in boxes. It's literally in multiple, multiple boxes. So good luck. All right. That is 
the end of this wrap-up show, I want to thank Motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers. I want to thank Checkers and Matt Burkeen. Before we go, Checkers, was there anything that I missed that you wanted to talk about? No, I think so. I don't think so. I mean, it was an awesome show. There was a yep. lot to it, but I think you actually clipped out like a lot of really cool points from the, the interviews. I think we covered, um, I think, most of it. Well, I appreciate those kind words from you, Checkers. Uh, Matt, anything I missed? I, I agree with Checkers. I think we just wrapped the shit out of this show. I think we are good to go, man. I think uh, we covered it. I loved it. I wish we had gotten Matt Burkeen on more of these Checkers. This is. I feel like it's. I feel like we're coming to the end of this era, and we might have missed a uh, some gold. No, we're going out. Hey, we're having, maybe we'll have to try out the real show sometimes. I don't know. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Steve needs to get you in studio. Get you on a privateer island. But other than that, guys, that is a wrap for this show, 522. We are out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? <laughs>